This is the K-pop cast bringing you the best sounds and ideas in K-pop each week. Hello, everybody. This is your PD and Michaela, and this year our team was graciously invited to cover KCON 2022 in Los Angeles back in September. So, in this episode, you're going to hear my on-site interviews with the press to learn about what it's like to cover KCON, why it's important for them to attend the event, and also what they think the future of KCON is going to be, especially after 10 years of existing. We also get into the future of K-pop and how it's covered in the media, and especially where it's covered. But before I hand it over to past PD Nim, don't forget to join the K-pop cast community on Slack and sign up for hard-hitting editorial on our newsletter. Links in the episode description. So take it away, past PD Nim. I'm Tamar Herman. I'm a journalist who's covered K-pop for quite a few years now. I currently work for the Hong Kong newspaper, the South China Morning Post. And in the past, I've written for Billboard and Forbes and many other outlets. Um, I was a Billboard correspondent for many, many years. And now I'm now st- at SEMP. And I uh, can be seen in the Netflix episode, K-pop episode of Explained and on the K-pop YouTube series, uh, K-pop Evolution. And I'm also the author of the 2020 release BTS Blood, Sweat and Tears, which is my little book baby. <laughs> and um, I'm, I love the K-pop cast. Big fan. <laughs> thank, thank you. I need photo cards. Yeah. I mean, it's it's really interesting because, you know, we're, we're a podcast. And so for us doing press, it's like it's it's, it's like we're, we're finally getting like access into all the things like it's very different, especially at, and I think for your experience as somebody who writes for established publications. So like when you when you come to KCON, like what is what is your 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 thing that you're mostly covering when you're here? Usually interviews uh, this year. Uh, because I'm not writing for an American outlet, there's like less accessibility because it is an American event. So they prioritize the local um, coverage. So because I'm an overseas outlet, technically, even though I am American, I'm covering I'm only doing one or two interviews. And so I'm covering a lot of the convention and kind of it's the 10th year anniversary. So emphasizing that. And in previous years, it's mostly like this is the most relaxed year of my entire game and I experience since like my first year, because I usually have to run around between panels mm-hmm. um, and interviews. So this year I was on two panels yesterday. Uh, I hosted I co-hosted with um, the Instagrammer Clockwork Reader of the Bookstagrammer. Sorry. That's her. <laughs> I think that's her preferred her booktuber. I don't know what she prefers to call herself. Yeah. Uh, Clockwork Reader. I mean, he hosted like, it was really a really cute book, book club. And then I um, emceed the Women in Entertainment panel um, with some really amazing women. And and that's pretty much my whole KCON this year and running around the, uh, the convention getting freebies. Um, I got a lot of really good um, pimple patches. Oh. And I'm very excited about that. <laughs> Yeah, that that was the thing that I think we we did a space during the KCON space. Like the the, the biggest step that I took was like especially on Sundays, like going to the booths because that's when you get the most freebies and things for yeah, at the event. Sunday, yeah, yeah. I did I did want to talk to you because I, I wasn't able to attend your panel, um, but I did want to get okay. um, hear hear more about the the topic and kind of if you could I don't know give a kind of a TLDR or like something that you think. Anybody who missed the panel would really want to take away from it. An entertainment one? Yeah. Um, so it was some really amazing women. Um, we have Joelle, uh, Joelle, O-L-O-L is her handle. Um, Stacy 
Morales. She works at Wasserman. Um, so both Joelle and Stacy work at agencies and are also creators, uh, content creators. And then there's Tasia Sis, who's a journalist, and also Balloon Wanted, who is a fan translator. And so it was like a fun kind of panel about what each of us do and just like why we do it and what we're aiming for. Um, Joelle and Stacy are both really invested in mentorship programs. Uh, Stacy actually started a mentorship program to help people get into the music industry. It's called 1520 <laughs> and it's for 15 to 20 year olds yeah. is like the is the main thing. But they also help people who are like postgrads or people who are later in their career. Um, and they do a mentorship program and it's really co cool. And Joelle is um, very active in like trying to um, be in, like, her, her, she is a professional agent and she works particularly to aim to bring more Asian voices to just entertainment in America because growing up, like, she didn't really have so much representation on screen and in the industry and obviously, thank goodness, things have changed but so it was just, like, a great panel to hear, like, about why each of them were launching their initiatives and why they went into this in these, particularly the agency side of things um, and they shared their experiences and then all of us, you know, throughout we discussed, like, both the pros of, you know, covering K-pop, so like the journalist and translator, we had a little bit more similarity than the agency side of things, but um, so discussing like the struggles of it and also how being a woman is particularly hard in these, these parts of the industry because like if you're a guy, you just typically get more grace um, and more access. So we were discussing that a bit and then um, that was pretty much it. That's a really long TLDR, but no, <laughs> it was, that, that was great. Thank you. Um, I, again, as somebody who's had experience covering this event, um, and again, it is, you know, 10 years of KCON, uh, we did also want to talk to people who had been covering it, like how, you know, the past trends as far as like covering the event and how that's changed and then how, how you see coverage of the event or, or access to the event changing in the future. Um, so the event's definitely like gone through a lot of different variants over the years, um, I haven't been here since the first one, but I've started coming in 2014 to the LA event, and I'm based in New York, so I, I usually go to that one. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've missed any of those. I'd have to think if I've missed any of those. I don't think I have. <laughs> um, and it's definitely, coverage has definitely changed. There's been a lot more general, um, like, interest from not necessarily just people who cover K-pop um, from the press side of things, but also just generally. Um, the New York one gets... I think um, I'm not based in LA, so I, don't, I can't really speak about that. But in New York, there's like still a lot of general culture interest. So like, I know people I know at the New York Times and NBC have, were covering from like year one, just because people were interested. But now this year, it's a little different because now they're just kind of LA focused with the touring um, and the Chicago premiere. I don't know if there was any other press there aside from me and like a handful of local Chicago people. So it's just kind of interesting the, how things are changing from the press side of things. But I think like. The audience is obviously there. The fan, the fans are still there. The you know the acts are still there, and the 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 convention is still a convention. So it's a lot of fun. Um, so there's definitely you know I think if you're on the working the event, you might notice some changes. But I'm not sure how visible they are to other people. Just like that, clearly there's changes, but good and bad. I don't really know any bad, but just changes. Yeah. And then. I think I kind of want because, you know, especially over the past few years with the pandemic, we've had a lot of lot of interviews and things have been remote. And, and as far as, you know, uh, speaking to artists and doing that. So now that we're at KCON again after after two years, um, what for you is is makes 
coming here worthwhile? Like, what? Why? Why not just do it remotely? Why not come? Why come to KCON and and get to interact with the artists and the the and do press here at the event? Uh, so honestly, I I'm, I'm happy to do the press of the event, but I like coming to KCON LA because I like doing panels. <laughs> um, I like talking and meeting audience. I like meeting fans. I like chatting with them. Like yesterday, I, I co-hosted a, a workshop, which was a book club. Like literally, we sat around two tables and chatted. It was yeah. really fun. Um, so speaking to artists in person is definitely more fun, just generally more personable. It's more important, I think, to be in the room with someone because you can't read so much body language when you're just on a screen. Even if you do have a whole body image, like I've been in, I've done interviews where like the, the group is maybe around a conference table. So they have like the cameras clearly far away that you can see everything, but it's still a little different. Um, so definitely being in person is more personable. <laughs> um I think that now everyone's kind of adjusted to the virtual also, so it's a little bit better than it used to be pre-pandemic. But I just think you make human connections being humans together, so it's okay to be separate, but better to be together. Right. I think, I think Peter, we definitely wanted to... to the, I think the other question that we wanted to talk about is, like, trends, um, especially um, how, you know, again, over 10 years, how, like, social media and the way that you... you the, the tools that you use to... to for not uh, to interact with um, fans and how fans interact with with press has changed. Like a lot of like short form content with like the rise of TikTok and things like that. And so I think we we just kind of wanted to focus on um, how how you what do you think about how trends have changed over time and how you especially when it comes to like how platforms have changed over time and how that has affected your your coverage of of KCON. Definitely video is king. So um, it doesn't matter whether it's short form or long form. Um, there's just more of a focus on video. So this year I'm not doing video, but in past KCONs, we've like had a heavy video presence doing mostly video interviews. This year I know they're live streaming some of the panels. Uh, it just kind of changes the whole game. And uh, both for good and bad, because you can have different sort of conversations when it's a written piece, uh, when it's planned for a written piece versus if it's a video piece. Um, and I just think, like, to be honest, I because I was living in Hong Kong for a while, you can't get TikTok there, so I don't actually know how to use TikTok. Like, I have it, and, like, I go on it, and I'm, like, overwhelmed in immediacy. Right. So I'm trying to, like, I was like, I'm going to film some videos and make them into, like, a reel and a TikTok. And then I was like, wait, I completely forgot to do that. <laughs> but it's on my mind that I kind of need to start coming up with some way of showing my stories through TikTok or through Reels um, just because that is so big. Um, like I know just in general, like music journalists, like there's a popular newsletter called um, Music Journalism Newsletter. And uh, he always emphasizes like a section of his newsletter is giving um, recommendations of recent releases. And one section is just like the video and audio elements of uh, music journalism, like the people who are doing that. And I think that's really cool. Um, so I think it's just growing. As someone who's a innately a writer, I'm like, boo, but also I'm like, okay, I like audio <laughs> and I like video. So who cares? <laughs> well, I'll try to figure it out. And if I don't, I'll fail. Right. And another big thing that we talk about with KCON is like, it's, it's been, it feels like KCON, like the, the, the attendees or the, the fans are like, it's mostly focused on, on Gen Z. Yeah. Like, the, do, would you agree that it feels like the, the KCON, like the fans are getting younger or it's, it's more of, of the new fans, the K-pop? So the thing that's really felt apparent to me this year was that it's the 10th anniversary, but not a single group is over remotely near 10 years old. Right. <laughs> so like, it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's a pity 
in general because I like a lot of these groups and it's great to spotlight the rookies. But like for a few years, they were like even bringing like first gen groups also along with the currently active groups. And you had like a first gen, second gen, third gen performers all together. And this this event feels very third and fourth gen, um, which is great because like I'm excited for the lineup. I'm really excited uh, to see them all perform and some of them I haven't seen perform before and so it's great and I'm sure a lot of fans haven't seen them perform before so it's not like there's anything wrong with the lineup but I think there is kind of um, that focus on the today rather than yesterday which I think like especially for a 10th anniversary event like if I was organizing it this wouldn't be how it it was um, but obviously you know they have priorities I'm not the organizer the fans are obviously here I'm, I've seen so many people like I woke up I'm staying in a hotel nearby and like looking out the window like I guessed like the line was so long like people are here for it so like obviously that's great and so wonderful I just uh, as someone who is a nostalgic human I'm kind of like it'd be nice if we had some more of that nostalgia at the 10th anniversary because they are emphasizing it like there's all this promos like 10th year anniversary but it doesn't necessarily feel that way so obviously that's like a choice that I didn't make <laughs> um, but so I think it's cool I do miss like it was one time when it was Turbo was here and I was sitting yeah and I was sitting next to um like a Korean woman she like looked maybe like 10 years older than me and she was like okay like clapping along to the K-pop groups like the rookie, the younger acts like the more um, currently active groups and right. then they came Turbo came on and she started dancing and I was just like this woman is living her best life right. and um, I just think like music obviously like the current generation is really important uh, but I also think every generation of music is important to highlight and like I love I'm a, I studied history in college so like I think it's like cool and so just specifically because it's the 10th anniversary I'm like why didn't you just try to get some of the first performers or something but obviously K-pop being what it is that's hard I don't think any of the first performers are still really particularly active right and I think what was it tickets for uh, the camp in October that were were Icon and Super Junior and, and things like that it almost feels like that lineup is probably what the 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 10th anniversary should have been maybe or at least like more of those artists right i didn't say it you did <laughs> <laughs> well i think i think what is more is that it yeah. feels like again back to kcon being more focused for gen z i feel like now there's an emergence of other festivals now that k-pop is so big that we can have more than just kcon yeah, right so i think it's great um i think kcon definitely has filled a really big niche over the past few years um, past decade <laughs> that's crazy to say um, but I do think like now there's so many more opportunities and so many more active groups and so many of the older groups are still active that having more festivals just in general are a good thing like yesterday um, on the panel Stacy, she works on the festival side of thing and she was saying that a lot there's a lot of interest they're getting a lot more requests like hey we want a k-pop group that will fit into like a pop festival lineup or a hip-hop festival lineup who can you suggest or like a, a k-pop act or something or someone in korea who like will bring in the you know the k-pop fans um and like from one side of things you're probably like from the fan perspective that's probably like oh they just want us to use us but to bring in marketing but also like you're i'm not gonna go to a festival like if i mean maybe i'll go to a festival if i just like one group or one performer but if i go i'm going the whole day and i'm gonna see everybody and i'm gonna love everyone because i love music and i love festivals um so i think it's cool i do i do think it's a tiny bit of a pity that there's not like any active 10th yearness going on except like the promotional stuff mm -hmm. um, I wish it it kind of was a little bit more like 
like do throwbacks like if they just like were airing videos of like their first year or something that'd be pretty cool to me um but the first year of KCON actually wasn't I don't believe a CJ event so since then um it's grown so it's a little hard um and it's obviously you know licensing things and stuff but I just uh I think it's a kind of a missed opportunity it's not a bad thing because obviously you know the here and now is one thing uh also the performers because they do air it as a music show so it has to be active performers um so but like it would have been so cool if they got like girls generation to do their comeback and you know they were here i think in first time in 2014 i could be wrong Mm. but just like i don't know it it would have been nice to see some kind of more of an acknowledgement of the 10th year thing and maybe you know um, i know amber lou is here from and she was in fx and kevin wu from ukis and those were both active then so maybe they'll do something at like the promotion like the concert right and I know there's, like, some cover performances happening, so maybe that, but... <sighs> Sorry, this is my long way of saying I'm old, and I, I would like some recognition of where we were 10 years ago. <laughs> right, and then, and for context, we're recording this uh, Saturday before the concert, so we really haven't, haven't seen what they're going to do yet. I don't know if you've had any info on, like, what the, what it's going to be. Uh, they announced previously, like, not just me, like, they announced um, some cover, like, uh, some, uh, like, collaboration stages and stuff, so I'm sure there'll be some fun things. Um I am excited for them. I really love all the acts, and because of the pandemic, I haven't gotten to see a lot of the acts that we're seeing perform. And this is just my bone to pick. Luna, I'm from New York. Luna's concert in New York was on Friday night, and their performance in LA is on Sunday. And I have to be back in New York on Sunday for a wedding, so I'm missing Luna, and I'm very annoyed. I'm also missing NCT Dream and everyone else who's performing that night, and I'm really annoyed, especially because NCT Dream does not perform in the US ever. Like, Luna, I'm missing, and that's like, Okay, that's on me. But NCT Dream, come back. Right. Um, when it comes to, uh, we, we, we think back to 2014 when BTS performed when they were rookies and how the fan reaction for a lot of people was so surprising and a really big indicator of, you know, how far they were able to go with their, their career. Um, when it comes to the, the, you know, the rookies that we see now, um, are there any acts that you're looking for specifically or do you see any any trends similar to that like this this is what is something that a lot of fans are looking at for for the future it's necessarily a surprise but also like because they are the first day performers um stray kids and in hypen seem to have a lot of merch going around the festival i did see some really amazing 80s cosplayers um but 80s just announced a upcoming tour so i think maybe some people and in hypen did too so people uh there was a lot of stray kids merch probably because they just finished up their tour um those three definitely are the most visible um fandoms but also like kepler every time their songs come on and, and mixes songs like people are cheering and stuff like I think like again this is the first day lineup so people are more geared towards that but I heard the second day's tickets on resale are going for at least $400 each even for bad tickets which I'm guessing again is because of the NCT dream impact because they don't tour in the US so um, I just think there's a lot of excitement I don't I mean, maybe, you know, I could say, oh, this would be the next BTS, but that's, that's, they'll be the next them. Um, right, right, right. But I just think uh, there's a lot of excitement for everyone who's here at K-pop, con- K-pop, everyone who's here at K-Con. K-Con. Um, I saw, like, light sticks for, like, groups that, like, I don't know, like, like groups that you wouldn't expect to see light sticks for. <laughs> and, like, for all, like, even, like, the Japanese groups that are here. Like, right, um, right, right. And I just think it's cool. Like, it's a, it's a good venue to introduce yourselves to new fans and also for older fans to see um i do think again like i said like i do think they are kind of 
not that K-pop fans are aged any one way, and like there are tons of fans here who are not, you know, young necessarily, or not. Age is just a number, but not <laughs> typically youth. Youth, yes, 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 the youths, um, and so I do think that this KCON is particularly youthfully geared. Um, so there are, of course, fans who are I wouldn't call like a teenager, of course, but I do think that they're kind of missing out on that. Like it's not to say that like walking around the convention, there's nobody who's like remotely my age. Um, like it's not, it's nobody's young. Like nobody, nobody's. There's, I don't think I've ever seen any children yet. They right. usually come to the concert, the kids, um, not like the convention. Little, like, yeah, little, little kids. Babies. Yeah, those are really cute. I love seeing them at K-pop concerts. Um, yeah. But this year it does feel like um, it's a little more, I wouldn't say niched. Um, but I, yeah, like it's also, also early in the day. Like we're doing this interview pretty early in the day. So people will come later in the day also. Um, but it just, yeah, I mean, it's very rookie focused. Um, very, or not rookie, but like younger, third gen um, which nothing is wrong with that. And they're great performers and great stars and clearly able to sell out venues on their own and also KCON. But it just, um, I'm a little sad. I wouldn't say I'm like crazy sad because I'm excited for these performers anyway. But uh, it did, KCON a few years ago felt more um, focused on K-pop as a whole rather than this generation of K-pop. And I think that's what it's missing. And for 10th year anniversary, that's what I'm a little sad about. But I think it's still, you know, it's going to be a great performer. I don't know if anybody's going to be like blow away the whole stadium in a surprise way, but I think we're all probably gonna, you know, be singing along pretty much to everybody's. And I think Kepler, like, everyone is really into Watata. Right. Um, so I think I've been humming it all morning. <laughs> my my friend who was staying with me, she, like, woke up and I was like, what da da da. <laughs> right. I, I'm, so, I'm so excited. This will be the first time. Because I, I think... I feel like also there's this impression that a lot of these groups will probably be touring in the future yeah. here in the U.S. too. Um, but again, it's still great to kind of see them all together at KCON. And uh, even though, you know, maybe if you miss out on KCON, you could probably still see them perform some other time. So that's like the difference, I think, between KCON now and what it used to be, because it used to be like they were not going back anytime right. in the near future. Right. Like if you had to get the rookie that time, because who, who knows? And rookies would never tour, but now rookies tour a lot. So... Um, like, I am going to be seeing and mix between Chicago and here twice in a year. That's wild. Um, like, there are so many work, especially girl groups, because girl groups still never tour. Uh, but now we are seeing so many, and it's really exciting, and I love it. Um, I love the boy bands, too. <laughs> um, but it's just, like, it's nice. Uh, part of me is a little sad that we're not, like, we used to get, like, soloists and hip-hop artists and older acts, and now KCON has kind of moved away from that, um, which is fine. Not my not my choice, but I like it still. So I'm still happy to come to KCON. I'm still happy, really excited to see the lineup. Um, I just think it's cool. And it, I mean, it, the evolution has been natural because those artists can now tour themselves. Um, or all artists can now tour themselves. So it's like, you know, KCON isn't the only game in town anymore, which is quite interesting to see. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see how next year's KCON looks, because with so much competition this year from so many different tours and so many festivals, like, it's going to be interesting. Um, like, even today in LA, Head in the Clouds is happening, right? Or in Pasadena, I guess, but still, like, in the neighborhood. And so, like, people are torn. Like, some of my friends who came for the convention are going to go just to Head in the Clouds tonight. Like, 
who is it, Chang'e and Jackson and Jay Park, those are all performing during the weekend. I don't remember which days in the lineup and stuff. Um, and uh, Jay Park from formerly, or Ej, uh, formerly of Day6. How do you pronounce it? Ej. Ej? Right, I think it's Ej. <laughs> um, so, like, if you, even if you're, and also, like, just there are really good performers going beyond the K-pop ones. Like, I'm pretty sad that Nikki had to pull out, but I'm, you know, good to be COVID-conscious. Um I'm really into Ravina lately, so I'm sad I'm not going to be at Head in the Clouds. But hopefully, do a Head in the Clouds New York. Do it. Right. <laughs> I'm waiting. Okay. I think, I think that's it. I think, I think I've covered everything. Sorry, I talk a lot. No, this was great. Thank you so much for, for, for the time. So, hello, Kate. Our listeners might know who you are, but just for, for reference. So, can you introduce yourself, um, kind of, and what you're here at KCON for? My name is Kate Hallowell, and I'm a programming operations manager at The Ringer, which is my real job. And I'm here because I also write about K-pop uh, for The Ringer, um, which is owned by Spotify. We got acquired by Spotify a couple years ago. Um, and so I basically my real job has nothing to do with K-pop. It's just being at The Ringer, we have a lot of freedom to, um, you know, I have a podcast that, called Tea Time and I am able to pitch things here and there. But then I'm like paid for everything else that I do. So it's kind of this nice freedom of like, I only have to write about the things I want to write about, kind of when I want to write about them. Um, and so, you know, here and there, I've done like K-pop podcasts or K-pop writing, but I've kind of pulled back in recent years. And, and this year, this is only the second second sort of K-pop reporting thing I've done all year. I've kind of just like pulled back and done, you know, just focused a lot on sort of bigger pieces as opposed to like trying to crank stuff out and cover everything. So um, yeah, I'm at KCON this year to do a feature on the 10th anniversary um, of KCON LA. And it's kind of has like oral history energy uh, of what I'm working on. So I've been interviewing a lot of people who were at the first KCON in 2012, trying to get a sense of what that was like. And then basically, I'm just going to sort of look at how you know, the K-pop industry has evolved, how U.S. perception of K-pop has evolved, how fandom has evolved, kind of through the lens of like these two K-Con events and, and the changes and the difference that people have experienced over time. So um, talking to fans, talking to reporters who were at both, um, talking to artists later today. Unfortunately, like a lot of the groups this year are very new, right. like not a lot of people who are like, I think WJSN is like the only group I think that was at like 2017, like they were at the older, right. you know, K-Con, but um, kind of a younger lineup this year. Um, so, yeah, and so, then NCT Dream is the oldest group. Right. But they right. But they, it's their first KCON. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. So just like a lot of kind of comparing and contrasting and trying to get a sense of, of what those older events were like and, and how it compares to today. So we, we're kind of wanting to know about sort of the, the different trends that you have seen, especially covering K-pop and other other things. I, I mean, not to get, I don't know, I know you're doing a thing about the 10 years, so not to give too many spoilers for, for yourself. Your, yeah. Um, but have you noticed anything uh, specifically about this KCON that's different from others? Because w one thing that we've, we've been talking about recently is this definitely the KCON for the Gen Zers, for the yes. younger fans. Would you, would you also agree that, like, especially KCON now, like, fans are younger and are, are newer to K-pop? Yeah, that has been the thing I've heard from everyone that I've talked to. When I've been talking to fans who have, you know, been to the first KCON and are at this one or at, or aren't at this one, but we're at the first one, or um, reporters who have covered it, or like I talked to Kevin Wu yesterday, and that was one of the things he said when I'm like, what are the differences you've noticed? Everyone's like, the fans are younger, like just a lot younger demographic. And, you know, it's not like that's a huge generalization, obviously, like right. people like us exist, like there are, you know, mothers and fathers and grandmothers and, you know, all sorts of people of, you know, every race and age here. And like, that's great. But like, 
I think a lot of people have noticed, especially this year, that the the demographic of fans here is definitely like firmly Gen Z, like majority Gen Z. Um, and yeah, the only other KCON I've been to is 2019. And that was pretty early in like my K-pop reporting days. So I was kind of like half year as a fan, half year as press, just kind of like getting a sense of things. And I honestly don't remember like what the vibe was. But as I've been reporting and like watching videos of like the 2012 KCON, talking to people who were there, it was very much like, you know, it was it was people who were older for the most part. And like some people I talked to like went in high school. And like, so that's kind of generally like the Gen Z age that's here now. But I think part of that is like, it was just, it used to be much more difficult to find um, K-pop. And like, you know what I mean? Like it was, you had to work a lot harder. You know, it wasn't like you, you know, music shows weren't online, easily available. Things weren't subtitled really quickly. And so I think it almost took like adult time and effort to like invest in these groups. Right. Um, and, and now it's, you know, it's, it's really easily available and, and, you know, it's a lot of teens. It's like, I, I think a lot of people I've talked to were like, no one in my high school ever knew about K-pop. So like you were kind of getting into it very independently. Whereas now, you know, you walk into any high school and you're like, who likes BTS? Like there's going to be a significant number of people. Right. So I think, it's just more, it's more contagious almost. Like you have these like, you know, groups of youths like running around and like spreading the K-pop disease basically. Whereas it used to be just so much more niche and like, especially sort of pre-early social media days. Um, it was just harder to discover. It was harder to come across it. So yeah, I mean, I obviously that like plays, I'm like, you know, making these very obvious points of like social media plays into the <laughs> expansion of K-pop. But yeah, that's that's definitely what I've heard from from people uh, that I've talked to during, while reporting on the story is like just overwhelmingly a younger a younger demographic these days. Yeah, and then and on on that note of social medias, how has your 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 coverage changed, especially with the emergence of new platforms like especially TikTok over the past years, and now you have things like Universe and Weverse and uh, now maybe Metaverse in the future. Um, so how how has that the emergence of these different platforms uh, affected your coverage? You know, I think, I mean, Twitter plays a huge part in, I think, really any, like, K-pop media. You just kind of have to be on Twitter because that's where the fans are and that's where, like, things spread and you are, you know, at the most basic level, like, sharing articles and, like, promoting your work. I think it's also, I think if you're not on Twitter or on some sort of K-pop social media, you're just, you're missing a level of, like, understanding, you know? Um, And... I think, you know, there are groups that I've interviewed where, like, people will talk about, like, oh, I'm interviewing, you know, ATs. And so there are certain, you know, reporters that I know where they're, like, doing a lot of research before they interview ATs and, like, watching videos. And, and like, that's great. You have to do that. But also, like, I think if you have embedded yourself enough in Stan Twitter, it's almost like you can skip that research because you're just seeing the content every day, even if you're not that much of an ATs fan. They're curating it for you, right? Exactly. And, like, you know you know what they want to know and you know what they already know, right? Like if you're, you're going to talk to ATs, like you don't want to ask them questions that the fans already know. You don't want to ask them about videos that the fans don't care about. Like you want to, like, for example, I interviewed the boys after Road to, uh, Road to Kingdom. And I remember there was a, on Twitter, they kept making all these jokes because New like lifted up this door that um, Sonu was standing on top of during one of these performances. And he was like one of the four people lifting the door and all the fans were joking, being like, why did they pick Chanhee to do this? Like he is made of sticks. Like he weighs 90 pounds soaking wet. Like why did they choose him? It was like this running joke. And so I just kept seeing that. And then I was like, I'm talking to them. I'm like, I have to ask, like why they chose him. You know what I mean? And it was one of those things where I was like, the fans want it like jokingly, but like 
legitimately want to know and are talking about why they chose him. So like that's, I never would have thought to ask that if I hadn't been kind of like embedded in Stan Twitter. So I think, um, and he was like a little offended, but not really, but like he pretended to be offended by the question. And it was just really funny. You know, they were like, oh, he's actually really strong. And like, he was like, I'm strong. And like, it was this, you know, like funny moment. Like you get an answer for the fans. You play into like kind of that um, discussion. So I think like it just can be really useful for informing like what you're talking about, what you're talking to the groups about, analysis like in pieces like that um and just like keeps you very up to date i again like to a degree i also think like don't embed yourself too far in stan twitter i definitely have taken this step back like in in recent um years and like months and like tried to curate my experience a little bit better because it can be very overwhelming especially if you know you write something that they don't like (laughs) um so there's you know there's a balance and it's it's kind of trial and error but i think it can be a really useful tool um and yeah, just is a huge part, I think, of, of what I do and what a lot of us kind of have to do yeah. these days. I've been I've been talking a lot with a lot of the staff around the event. And um, uh, of the few people that I've talked to, I've talked to several, is they are really surprised about how nice fans are. And I feel like nice. maybe that it's because of that, that Twitter sphere fan culture nice. ecosystem oh. that, yeah. Yeah, I was just talking to someone else about this, is like, you get, you do, you get in that echo chamber, right, of Twitter and like, if there's a certain fandom that's mad at you or, you know, and like, for example, uh, BTS fans, not my biggest fans. Uh, so leading up to like the fall Permission to Dance concerts, uh, there was just a lot of like, you know, tweets and angry people and all sorts of stuff. And and then you go to the concert and it's like, it's, a, it's just a little tiny corner of angry people on the internet, you know? And it's like, you're in this huge stadium. No one knows who you are. Everyone's having a great time. Like there's community, people are giving out freebies. And like, it's, it's, it's the same way here. Like you just are reminded that like the internet is just like a small, the people who are mad at, on Twitter at any point are just like such a small portion of like K-pop fans and people who like love this industry and this genre and like all these groups. And it's so nice to like come to something like this and be reminded that like, it's not just Twitter, you know, like if even if people are mad, like blah, 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 like there are so many people who don't know who you are, don't know anything about anything other than the group that they love and like are here to see and sharing that with other people who are here. So it is like really legitimately very affirming to like go to concerts and go to things like this and just like experience people in person and be like, oh, this is a good reminder of the community that exists beyond Twitter, sand Twitter, you know. And then, and then going back to that, with because because you know you, you're you're a blue check on Twitter, you have a lot of engagement with fans specifically, um, especially after the past few years that you started covering K-pop. Has you know that engagement affected your coverage? I, I mean, I mean, obviously with with your questioning and things like that. But like, are you how how personally do you think that's affected you from the beginning to now? Yeah, it's definitely been an evolution. Like you know, I think to a degree, anyone who starts covering K-pop. And gets that first, like, you know, couple thousand retweets on an article or a tweet. And uh, it just, like, is very easy to go to your head and want to keep seeking that validation and writing things and covering things in a way that the fans will like and validate. And then I think the first time that comes back to hit you and you get those 3,000 quote tweets, <laughs> you know, <laughs> instead... Uh, I I think it's just, like, a lesson we all learn at some point. I Like, I, I you know... They come for everyone at some point. Like, literally, I don't think you can be an active member of K-pop Twitter and not, you know, rub a fan base the wrong way at some point, especially if you're saying anything that's worth listening to, you know? So I think it's just kind of the journey of, like, learning, like, write what you want to write, 
don't write write for the fans to a degree, right? Like you need first of all, you need right. them to read it. Like right. that's just our job. Second of all, like you are a fan. You want to write things that people enjoy and that teaches them something about the people that they love and the music that they love. But also like it's a service that's it's not just fan service, right? So um yeah, early on I was like, oh my God, this is great. Like I want to be so active on K-pop Twitter and like I'm gonna just become like a like a K-pop Twitter account and people are gonna follow me and it's gonna be great. I'm gonna be an expert. And then just like even just over the past year, like I really have pulled back on like tweeting about K-pop a lot because like and I actually created a stan account, like a secret space, not secret, but like, you know, like circle of trust, like where I can go and no one knows it's me or like, you know, people, my friends know it's me and I can just tweet about K-pop and like be a normal fan and like it's private. It's like it's not for engagement. It's just like tweet my thoughts into the void, keep them off main keep me out of trouble basically <laughs> and um and then i just generally like all i do these days is like tweet from concerts um you know like videos or like thoughts or like a little bit more um i used to just like you know try to make a lot of jokes and like be like kind of because like my writing is like i was a little on the voicier side it's like not super like hard facts reporting that's just kind of like the ringer's voice yeah. um and so but you know you get yelled at so many times it's like it's just not worth it it's like i'm just gonna go somewhere else and create a new account and make my jokes there you know so um it's kind of like the circle of life but it twitter i mean obviously twitter is helpful and important and i obviously still use it and tweet about k-pop from maine all the time but i definitely have have pulled back and kind of use it in a different way than i used to the engagement is just like less important you know you kind of just have to like learn that like it's just not always worth it right so yeah I think I want to transition to, to talking about because you are, you know, we're 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 a plucky little podcast that you know is finally getting the chance right. to, to enter the press room and get to to, to talk to, to people and do the things. But no, you 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 are a, a professional writer. You <laughs> you work for the Ringer. Um, you know, you have a, a platform that you're coming to this convention with a uh, with a, a sense of like this is the kind of coverage that I have to 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 do for my publication. Um, so I wanted to hear a little bit more about that, like how you approach KCON as somebody who works for The Ringer. Yeah. And, you know, to like acknowledge my privilege, like I, there are a lot of professional writers who like have to write a certain amount of stories or like are trying to pay the bills like with their writing. And like, I'm really lucky to work for somewhere and have a job where like, this is just extra, you know, like I get to do it. And again, like I have to do a good job, like or they wouldn't let me do it. But um I only write about the things I want to write about. And so, especially in recent years, I think I would say I only pitch things. Cause again, it's like on top of my nine to five, you know, it's like, it's extra work. It's a lot of extra work. Um, I would say I generally only write about things that like, I think I can write about in a way that either hasn't been written about or, you know, like I have a specific perspective or, um, just like something that I want to read too, right. you know? So like the only other thing I've written this year is I talked to ATs and I wrote about like, this like kind of like goofy, funny thing about like their pirate concept and like included like a lot of pirate puns and like really honed in on that. Because again, like I have a lot of like ATs, 18E like Twitter friends who love the pirate concept and are like so committed and are like, when will they go back to the pirate thing? And like, I just like became part of like what I was thinking about all the time in relation to ATs. And so when I was like, I want to talk to them, but like, how do I make it different? I was like, I'm going to really hone in on the pirate thing, you know, and like, just really like hit that angle really hard. And, you know, like I was just telling someone the other day, you know, I was like, there, there are groups that like, I don't think I have anything new to say about them. Like my friend was like, oh, I'm like dying to interview straight kids. And I'm like, I, I, I don't think I can write about straight kids any better than anyone else ever has, you know, like 
and it's part of that's just because like they're so open and like they've already like been so honest and like my friend Crystal Bell like does such a good job and like right. there are certain groups where I'm like like I I I just can't be the best person to write about them so like I don't I don't really need to you know like they're just like or like concert reviews or things like that like I just I don't feel like I have anything new to offer um, but I just you know especially like this this uh, event. I just thought, you know, like, how can I come at this from a creative angle and, like, sort of teach people something and learn something myself? And I was looking, and I just hadn't seen a lot of people, like, sort of, you know, the 10th anniversary. It's been 10 years since Gangnam Style. I was like, how can we tie all this together and sort of just, like, look at this lens, like, use this lens to kind of teach people about the whole fan experience? And also The Ringer very specifically does a lot of, like, long, in-depth feature writing, which not that many places do anymore, you know? And I just felt like... It just felt like a good match for The Ringer and a good match for me to do, just really hone in. Like, I'm doing a lot of reporting for one piece, you know? Like, I've talked to just a bunch of everyone. My friend yesterday was like, why? You've been reporting on one piece all weekend, like, for weeks, you know, because I'm talking to fans, too. And, like, a lot of that won't make it in, but, like, some of it will. And you just kind of need to paint the full picture. And I just—there aren't that many publications that do, like, that kind of really long, sort of long-form feature writing. And so— that was an example where I was like, I haven't seen something like this. I don't know how many people will be writing something like this. And so, you know, I'll just take the time and, and do it. And it'll be my second K-pop piece of the year. Maybe it'll be my last. Who knows? Not last ever, but last of the year. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, I, I, I just try to write something that I feel like, not like I'm the best person to do this, but like I have something new to say. Like I wrote about t- when Taemin enlisted in the, the military, I like just off the top of my head, pitch something and being like, can I just like write like an ode, like a farewell to Taemin because he's my favorite of all time. And I really wanted to like write specifically about how like odd it was to see someone like him do this like very human <laughs> requirement right. of like enlisting in the, you know, because like he's, I mean, I basically in the piece, I would go into the fact that like, he's just like this otherworldly yes. sort of figure yeah. and he's been in K-pop for so long and he has just this like persona and it's, it was just, it's just so odd to think about him, like, you know, shaving his head and enlisting and doing, like, a nine-to-five job and, like, you know, him specifically. So, like, that was, like, an angle where I was, like, I haven't really seen that and I, I just wanted to talk about it. So, this was a very long answer to your question, but, like... No, no, it's great. Thank you. Yeah, just, like, you know, because I don't have to write something, I just... If it's not, like, a unique angle or something that I feel like is really suited to, like, my voice and my publication, then, you know, just just wait until one of those things arrives and, and do it then, basically, is the strategy. Right. I want to go back to, to like, you're, you're here reporting on KCON. I mean, you said you've been working on this for weeks now, but you're here this, this whole weekend. Um, over the past two years, you know, with, with COVID, we've had to transition to, you know, online interviews and doing things over Zoom. Um, and so I think I wanted to, to talk to you about, like, why, what makes it worth it to you to be here um, a little bit more? And then why, why not just cover KCON remotely? Why is it important for people to come here to the event? Yeah, I mean, I... I you know, Zoom interviews are fine. I think we've kind of figured it out a little bit. Like, we've done a bunch of them. And, like, you can you can form a connection with someone via Zoom. Like, you can. It takes longer, I would say. Like, you kind of have to get going with the conversation. Um, but it's just easier in person. Like, no matter who you're talking to, whether it's an idol or it's you or it's another reporter or it's a fan, like, I think the in-person connection just really makes a difference and makes it easier to kind of fall into, like, an actual legitimate conversation. Um, I also think with KCON, it's, if you're covering the event, it's just like the atmosphere is really important, you know, like just the hustle and the bustle and the fans and what they're wearing and what they're doing and the screaming. And like, I think you want to paint a picture of that because that also reflects like changes in the industry, right? Like 
the outfits are different. You know, I'm watching videos of 2012 KCON and people are, everyone's in shirts that say what K-Con. group they like. Oh. And like, that's what they're wearing because that's the, that's the uniform. Yeah. And now you go downstairs. I mean, some people are, a lot of dudes, the dudes haven't caught up with us yet. They're still in like their, you know, Kepler shirts. And like, that's great. But like a lot of like, you know, the women and like the younger people and, and anyone really is just like, it's a lot of like the cosplay, you know, or like the subtle outfits or like the, you just don't see like a lot of like, t-shirts that say ATs. Like, you see some. And I, again, I have a bunch. I wish that they would come back because I have a lot that I would like to wear. Um, but, you know, it's things like that. Like, little details of, like, yeah. change, it, the fact that everyone's younger. Like, right. there are things that, like, if you're trying to paint a picture of, of the event, you know, just long distance just doesn't, doesn't quite do it. Um, but again, like, I think... You know, I think Zoom interviews are fine. What I don't ever do, and luckily I'm not allowed to, is the email interview. <laughs> uh, luckily, my the ringer doesn't allow that, and so I'm that's my excuse whenever someone asks me to do that. But like, yeah, I that, think those that was a big of thing of in our access uh, uh, access coverage for K-pop when we, space. When we were talking about like the the email interview is is the worst possible thing, but it's also the thing that a lot of companies will push on you, right? Right, and like a lot of again, like I. I'm very lucky because I don't have to do them, right? Mm-hmm. But, like, a lot of these people, like, my friends who are freelancing or, like, people who have to write a certain article a week or, like, have to cover these groups, they're paying, being paid to cover these groups, and that's how they're getting their groceries. Like, you have to take the email interview, and, like, it sucks. Like, first of all, it kind of just, like, hurts all of us. Like, not to place blame, but, like, the more people who do them, the more they suggest them, right? So, like, you know, we can't all be like, we are not, as journalists, are never doing any more email interviews. Like, that in a perfect world, we would do that, and then they would never ask again. But, like, you know, these are people who, like, you have to write about the group, and, like, that's what they're giving you. That's what they're giving you. But, like, genuinely, and, like, this is maybe a controversial take, like, half the email interviews, I believe that, like, they never got, like, they never said that. Like, I genuinely think that, like, a lot. I re- were reading an email interview. There's one with Monster X from a while back that I remember reading being like, they, these words in any language, these words never came from their mouths. Right. Like they Even have the never, never had this thought. And like, again, like not that people are making shit up because like I don't want to like be like pointing fingers at all. It's, but like yeah. it happens. Like we know it happens. And like it's just a bummer. And, you know, I, I wish that we could do it less, but it's a necessary evil, unfortunately. But compared to that, Zoom interviews are great. Like, I think you can get good stuff from a Zoom interview. But obviously in person is like, you know, it's as good as it gets. Uh, and it's hard, it's hard to beat that kind of like energy of being in the room together. Yeah. Side, side tangent. I was at the, the Big Titty Gang booth earlier today. And on, on that note about male fans, like, catching up to things, one of the, the vendors there was, like, we, we were surprised that there were so many male fans, like, wanting all of this merch and, like, wearing it. So I, I just thought that was interesting, especially for, for, for male fans. Like, it's, mm-hmm. again, they're catching up. Yeah. But I, I feel like... Um, there, there's more, you know, K-pop a lot of times, like, is, is the stereotype is that it's all female, well, right. women. But I feel like now as it's growing, mm-hmm. I think it's becoming a little bit more accessible to male fans, mm-hmm. especially here in the U.S. Yeah. I, I don't know if you we would agree, especially, like, from the things that you've seen today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are a lot more guys here than I would have expected. Mm-hmm. And it, I think than in the past. Um, and I love, like, they're just, like, very open about, like, who they stand. Again, like, it's because they wear T-shirts and, like, that's the only thing guys wear. So, like... You know, but, like, I, again, like, walked in with someone today. I was wearing a Stacey shirt. And, like, like clearly from Etsy, like, the kind where it's, like, really, like, stylized and fun. I'm like, yeah. yes, like, you're doing it right. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm happy to see them. I have been to a lot of girl group concerts lately because I, like, have finally been sending the girls here. Mm-hmm. And have been I'm honestly amazed by, like, the percentage of guys, which I'm not always thrilled about. I'm always like, oh, there's so many men here. Like, there's, like, that immediate thought where I'm like, oh. But, 
you know, I'm glad that like, and like they're coming together, like with the bros, like let's go see Dreamcatcher. You know, it's like, it's better than playing like FIFA on a Friday night. Like, I guess I'm glad you're here yelling at Dami with me. Like, sure. That's great. Um, so yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's, I think it's great. I think it's, I'm excited that they are into it. I also like, KCON is all about discovery, right? So like they come here for Kepler, maybe they discover that ATs kicks ass or like, you know what I mean? So like, they open that door and then, you know, I mean, I think a lot of like straight women, you know, come in for whatever cute guy they see. And then eventually they get into the girl groups, you know, like not to generalize, but like, I, I think, you know, you come in for one group and then KCON just like leads is very easily leads you to other groups and other people. And then you're a multi-stand and then you're in it for life. And like, you just need that first step. So we welcome any and all, any and all people who want to stand. We're, we're here for you. Right. <laughs> On the note of, of experiencing groups for the first time, this is, you know, a KCON where there are a lot of rookies. And we, we keep thinking back to the 2014 KCON when BTS came out and just blew everybody away with the amount of support. Like G-Dragon was there that year. And the screaming and the, the, the reaction of the fan was like equal or maybe even more to what he got, which was which was a big indicator of like, oh, these guys are going to go far. Mm-hmm. Obviously, nobody could have predicted how far they would have gone. Um, but looking at the rookies here at the event, looking at the, the artists who are coming here for the first time, mm-hmm. um, have you is, is there anybody that's sticking out to you as far as like not necessarily who's going to be the next BTS, mm-hmm. but that especially after last night because we're recording this after the first concert mm-hmm. that the the fan reaction is there is there anybody that surprised you or or anybody that you were specifically looking to see who was gonna like take over cake on this year yeah you know i the, honestly the group that comes to mind who hasn't performed yet uh but p1 harmony is later today and i think in terms of just like grabbing people in, in a way that, I mean, obviously, you know, yesterday was like in Hypen, which was like a huge crowd. But like, I almost feel like that's cheating because like they were an engineered to be the next BTS. You know what I mean? So I'm like, I'm not going to, you know, necessarily make them my choice. Um, but P1 Harmony, I think, is notable just because I, they're one of those groups where like I had friends who were like, you have to stand. Like, and I'd be like, oh, it's like another group. Like, how many boys can I learn? And they'll be like, no, like you have to stand. Like, P1, like they're special. Like, they're great. And then, you know, I'd see somebody else and they're like, P1 Harmony, like, get into it. Like, get on board. And, like, I feel like that's the kind of, like, mouth-to-mouth, like, they're special, they're different, they're, you know, yeah. really exciting. And, you know, and also, like, you know, it's one of those where, like, I heard, you know, I was in a K-pop store and heard the song and I was like, damn, this slaps. Like, who is it? It's P1 Harmony. You know, so, like, I think to, to, to the degree that, like, BTS really exploded onto the the U.S. scene, not that po- not as popular necessarily in Korea, or at least, right. like, Especially blew up here quicker. Yeah. I think that's also similar with P1 Harmony, right? Like, I, not that they have more U.S. fans than they do in Korea, but, like, they're obviously, I think, significantly popular here in relation to maybe their Korean popularity. Um, so, yeah, I guess maybe they would be my pick. I haven't seen them yet today. Actually, they, they have... I was supposed to go to their L.A. concert, and then they got COVID, and they canceled it. Right, right. And then they rescheduled it, and it, it was, like, when I was gone or something. I've like, I'm, like, 0 for 2 on catching P1 Harmony, so um, I'm excited to see them later. But I want, actually wanted to say, when you mentioned BTS in 2014, right. um, I was talking yesterday to a fan who was there in 2014 and is here this year um, and has been to, like, all the KCON since. And she was telling me that when they, they used to do the meet and greets where, like, you got a scratch card. You get a random one, right, right. and you scratch it off, and then you would, like, trade with people. And so that year, she got a meet and greet for Teen Top, which is, like, an older group. Yeah, yeah. And she goes to the side and was like, you know, I have Teen Top. Like, I want BTS. Like, does anyone have BTS? And someone came right up and was like, here, I, I have BTS. I want Teen Top. And just swapped it right there. And she was like, that's how you know they weren't there yet. 
you know, like in what world would someone now come up? Like no shade to Teen Top. Great. Love them. But like you can say that's how you know it was like right before it happened. Right. Is like she was like, I mean, like I tell people that story and they're like, what? But like that's you know what I mean? Like it's it's just like they were not quite there yet. And like that really like I think kind of pushed them. From over the edge, but there was still in 2014 a time when someone was like, "I do not wish to meet BTS. I wish to meet Teen Top instead." So like, and that's great, and those people probably still exist. But like, I just thought it was such a funny anecdote. I was like, "That's how you know." Like, it was right on the edge. Like that that was what pushed him over. Was like, you know, being there and, and experiencing that. So I was like, "I love Teen Top, and I'm great. And I hope that person loved that meet and greet. I hope it was amazing, and it was everything they wanted it to be. <laughs> and I hope they don't regret trading away the BTS meet and greet in 2014 because <laughs> they did do that." Okay. Let me, I, I think I think that something I just thought about was the fact that um, you know KCON like you know KCON's been around for ten years. Like you said, we've been talking about how right now it's trending younger, trending more towards Gen Z. Um, but now even this weekend we have Head in the Clouds. Mm-hmm. Card is touring in the U.S. I think there's I think there's maybe one other group touring. I'm not I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And and then now recently we've got the camp coming to uh, Pasadena. I think mm-hmm. in October, and that's kind of has been referred to as like the concert for the older fans like the, or at least the fans that are, are fans of super junior and monster mm-hmm. x as examples of people that are going there obviously you know k-pop is, is bigger than it's ever been mm-hmm. but do you do you see it expanding like do you see that like maybe we're gonna the k-con is just gonna stay for the the mm-hmm. kids and then we might just luckily or or do you see that in the future we can like maybe expand the market and have different other festivals that'll, that'll serve different things like maybe even like a trot festival or even like uh you know all these other parts of k-pop that especially in the earlier parts of k-con were there mm-hmm. like I, I remember when i came in 2014 there was stuff about like there was a bunch of k actors like from k dramas mm-hmm. and that's there's none of that here yeah. this year yeah that's true I would love that. And I know that, like, CJ or, like, CJ and M who puts this on is, like, very invested in, like, K-dramas and movies and all that. And I would love to see... I know they've tried to kind of, like, work all that in and make it more of, like, not just K-pop. Um, I would love to see more of that. Love a K-drama. Like, would love to get some of that in here. In terms of, like, the different demographics, you know, I hadn't thought about that with camp, like, being kind of, like, the second-gen festival. But, like, that's why I'm excited for it as, like, a shiny stan and, like, an SM girl. Um, like, Taeon and all of them. Like, yeah, I... I I, it is hard to imagine like TO1 going to camp. You know what I mean? Like it is, you're right. It is like a different lineup. And I, yeah, I, you know, I kind of like, I kind of like having the separation mm-hmm. of that. And, you know, of course I want the youths to stand girls' generation, you know, like learn your history, like get on board. And I don't think that's like beyond reasoning. Like, I mean, even I, like, you know, I got into K-pop in like 2017 and have sort of worked back. Like, I'm like a huge Vix fan now. Like, I've gotten so into Vix. I love them. And like, they've not been active since, really like, since I've been a fan, right? Like, Leo's album comes out next week. So like, solo they have. But like, I, I, I think it's really fun to like get into old groups. And I would love to see the kids do that. And like, you know, if they they follow, maybe, you know, maybe they announce a an hype in at camp or something and then they go and discover Kai and get into EXO. Like, again like welcome we've been waiting for you like you're gonna have a great time here um so yeah I mean I think that would be great but also like you know I wouldn't mind a little a little separation and I go to the um I don't know if you've ever been to the KCCLA like the or the Korean Times Music Festival at the Hollywood Bowl um I went to that in I want to say like 2019 Mm -hmm. and like Taemin was there and Super Junior and somebody else there was another oh like A Pink or someone there was like it was definitely like older groups yeah. um not that Taman isn't active and like you know but again like 
clearly like a second gen like K-pop idol. And there was trot there too, you know? And it's like, it's, it's, there's like a lot, I think there's, you just kind of want to like pull people in with something and then give them like a little something similar and a little something to discover, right? Like you just have to get them in the door and then, and then they'll, they'll find new groups and new, you know, trot singers and, and expand their mind. So yeah, I mean, you know, it's great to mix it up and have, have a variety of, of groups, but I also do think it would be weird if like Vix was here, you know, like I, I, Especially if it was just Vix, like, right. and all these other versions. Right. Like, it would have been great for my story. I would have loved to have a group that was a little right. older. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I think, you know, the, the, the audience here expects a certain vibe and a certain kind of sound. And and um, I don't think it's bad, necessarily. And, like, again, like, it's it's already rare to find someone who stands every single group here. So, like, if they've, they're just discovering, like, you know, WJSN or whatever, like, that's enough. You know, or like if they are in hyphen and they're like, oh, TO1 is great. Or like, oh, Cravity is great. Like, that's enough. I don't need them to be standing super junior. You know, like we have realistic expectations. Like, let's baby steps here. So, yeah, I, I, I don't mind the separation. I kind of like knowing what to expect and like having kind of the age, like gaps a little bit, which I hadn't thought about until you said it. But um, yeah, if they can keep camp like for the second gen heads, like that would be great. Honestly, that's fine. I don't need, I don't need any kids there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, because that, that was even something because I, I intentionally didn't listen to a lot of them, the new music from the groups that were here. And especially because I, I went to KCON back in 2016 and that was that was the shiny. That was the BTS. That was that was TTS. Yeah. And so I, I remember the feeling that I had in that stage and and, not, you know, coming now, not being as familiar with some of the I mean, obviously loving like all of them, yeah. but not necessarily being fam- as familiar when it was a little different. Like it wasn't yeah. as I, I was hype, but I wasn't as hype. Right. And also, like when in 2019, I was like a multi, but I was I hadn't discovered everyone yet. And I do have to say, like, you know, it was you had Itzy who was new and like, um, you know, a bunch of girl groups and stuff. But then like Mamamoo came out and like. Hwasa walked out and I was like, that's a woman. Like that, like we just watched some girls, but like, I don't know who that is, but like I need to know everything about her right now. And this was like, there's a little bit, there's something to be said for like a little bit of variety where like, you know, I think the average person who walked into the the concert last night would be like, like, I don't really understand the difference between all these girl groups. Like all these songs, you know, they're fun and they're, but like, it's kind of similar concept. And I think, you know, there's something to be said for variety when it, when it comes to not just the music, but like just the kind of the ages and the kind of groups that are performing. So I was, I'm thinking fondly back to my mom and discovery uh, in 2019 yesterday and being like, where are the women? Bring the women here, please. Right. <laughs> especially, especially now. I feel like if anything, for the, it, it, in the age of the Renaissance, like mm-hmm. this is the time to bring in the women, right? Absolutely. I know. I was sad that mom and didn't make it, but you know, they're, they're up to a lot. They got a lot going on. So it's okay. Yeah. I think the last question I'm going to gonna ask you is um, any advice that you would give to somebody who's covering Shagon for the first time, especially if they're, they're doing, like me, who's doing press for the first time? Wear comfortable shoes, I right. would say. I got like 19,000 steps yesterday. Um, I would say don't be afraid to talk to people. Um, I think I was like a little shy my first time covering it. And like, you know, I, I, I knew the people that I already knew from Twitter, but like, you know, like, don't be afraid to introduce yourself to people. And I, this is like very hypocritical of me because I was like, did not do this necessarily on my first one. But like, 
you know, there are people that I had known from Twitter and did introduce myself to and who have like become some of my best friends like over the past, even if we don't live in the same, like I, I have so many like online friends who I had met for the first time at the 2019 KCON who I talk to every day now and have for the last three years who like got me through the pandemic when I was like, you know what I mean? I have so many group chats and like, again, like my stand Twitter and like my mom is always like your friends in your phone. Like, you know what I mean? It sounds crazy, but um, it's just like, it's it's such a perfect way to to make connections with people who have this very specific shared interest, you know, and, and just don't waste it, you know, find more friends who love, you know, the people that you love. And there's a million of them here. Um, be open to discovery too. Like I said, like, you know, I, I didn't know, uh, like gravity very well until this week. And I'm like, the song they did yesterday absolutely slapped. And I was right. like, now I got to learn names, you know, it's like never, never too late to adopt more boys and more girls and more groups. Um, and yeah, other than the shoes, th- the shoes thing is the main thing. I won't lie to you. You got to wear comfy shoes. But yeah, you know, just just meet people and and take it all in and you know have a great time. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Kate, for talking to us. I'm so happy that you 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 gave us your time today. Happy to meet you, and I hope I hope everything you have a great rest of your weekend. Um, is there anything that you want to promote? I mean, obviously your piece, but anything else that you want our, our listeners to know about the things that you're doing. Um, like I said, it's a once in a blue moon thing. So, uh, the K, the on beast will probably be out. Not, not anytime soon. It's going to take a while to put it all together. A couple weeks, probably maybe like a week and a half if I'm, you know, I'm struck by inspiration. Um, but yeah, I don't know, maybe an end of year list. Uh, Key, Key's album's coming out soon. He was my favorite song of 2021. So maybe he can do it again. We'll find out. Um, but yeah, you don't need to follow me. You'll, you know, it's fine. I, like I said, I don't tweet that much on K-pop anymore. So yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Thank you. <laughs> we're the K-pop cast. We're a K-pop podcast. Um, I just want to talk to you about how you're covering these events. So first, can you introduce yourself and like give a little intro about who you are and like what, what you're doing here at the convention? Cool. Hi, I'm Liam McKeown. I'm a... Um entertainment journalist. Um, but for the last, I guess, five and a half years, uh, my focus has pretty much solely been on K-pop. Started by interviewing BTS in 2017 and had no idea what I was getting myself into. And obviously that journey has been pretty insane since. Um, and through that, have been able to interview um, different K-pop acts from all walks of life and have seen acts grow from, you know, rookies to superstars. So it's been an interesting few years. Um, but K-pop really for the last five years has kind of taken over my creative content. And I love it. It's so interesting. Um, it's nice to be able to experience something that is so different to what we see on our screens or on our radios or whatever. So it's been fascinating in that aspect to learn a little bit more about the world and in terms of business as well. Um, we do business over here so differently to how they do over there and working so closely with different uh, Korean teams to make interviews happen and stuff has been um, fascinating. I've learned a lot about how they work and, and whatnot as well. So, um, yeah, that's been me over the last few years. But I'm here at KCON just to get pretty much social media content. I had a couple of panels, which was fun, um, just explaining, I guess, my journey and how I ended up in the K-pop world. But, yeah, just wanted to cover uh, different acts. I've done a few interviews with some rookies uh, because, you know, it's their first KCON. And I find that fascinating because they're all googly-eyed and, you know, amazed at what's going on around them. And I find that fascinating because they're rookies now, but in three, four years, who knows what they're going to be, you know? And that's something that's fascinating about K-pop to me as well, uh, is the evolution of acts and how quickly things have evolved for, you know, acts that debuted within the pandemic, you know, and Hypen debuted during the pandemic. And look at them now, they're headlining pretty much 
the show tonight at KCON. So, yeah, that's what I've been doing. Um, and just, you know, meeting people and meeting different people who have watched my interviews is really cool as well right. to kind of put a face to the comments, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and because you, you, you kind of have that experience with engaging with fans, um, has that fan engagement in, or how does that fan engagement influence the way that you cover certain parts of the convention or, or, or other parts of K-pop? It's, it's everything. Um, because I'm a fan myself. You know, when I got into, when I started interviewing K-pop acts, I wasn't a K-pop fan, yeah. but very quickly became one as, it happens very quickly. You go down the rabbit hole and you're done. But, you know, fans are everything. I, um, I grew up watching interviews of my favorite artists. You know, I'd go on YouTube when I was a kid and just look up interesting interviews with people that I admire. So if I am able to give fans that, um, then I've done my job correctly. And I'm always thinking, you know, what do fans want to know? You know, people wish that they were in that seat, in that situation, being able to talk with these people. And I'm the one that gets to do it. So I'm constantly thinking, like, how can I... Um, what do the fans want to know? What would be interesting to, you know, the fan listening on their iPhone? Uh, you know what I mean? Like, that's, that's constantly on my mind when I'm coming up with questions or, or creating, I guess, a piece of content um, with a K-pop star. So, yeah, it, the, K-pop fans are literally the top thing on my mind when I'm, right. when I'm creating, for sure. And then, so it, is this your first time attending KCON? I, I'm not sure if I asked this. Is my, I think this is my second or third KCON. Um, it's a lot different this year, obviously, um, with the pandemic and everything that's been going on. Um, things have changed, um, but it's you know it's exciting to be back in person. It feels like a uh, a refreshal of or a renewal of like live music. It's nice to have that back. But you know, everyone's just trying to figure out how to do things now you know we've been hidden away for the last couple of years and it's slowly just trying to figure it out so i'm still trying to figure out how to do things so for the last two years i've been all of my interviews have been on zoom right um so now to be able to be back in person it's like bringing back those skills and you know um so yeah no it's definitely different this year um but it's still a lot of fun and uh, I'm, I'm enjoying just being around people and seeing people come together and another interesting thing about KCON as well is that people you know make online friends and because you're interested in the same things and this is where they meet right. do you know what i mean like this brings people together i've met people that have flown in from all over america to come and be here or to be there here with their friend and uh see their favorite acts on one stage and that's another thing about KCON. like there's a lot of things obviously but the fact that they bring uh so many different acts from all walks of life you know they have stray kids who's a pretty established act and they have things like gravity who are brand new um, so it is really interesting to kind of see that dynamic and um, interesting to kind of watch them over the next few years and, and see where they'll be. Yeah. Are there any specific acts that you're really like focusing on this year? I know we think back to 2014 when BTS debuted in on at KCON and they had a very surprising, huge response, and it was a really big indicator of the track that they were on. Come, yeah. yeah, even though we pro nobody could have probably predicted how far they would go. No but are there any acts like that that you're seeing that are not necessarily are the next BTS, but you definitely see that they're getting a big response here today? Yeah, I mean, at KCON, I would say, obviously, and Hypen is a huge one. Um, they're just going up and up and up. And I've had a few interviews with them, and they've been very uh, refreshing to me as an interviewer to interview them because they're so new to it, but at the same time, they're seasoned pros, you know? Um, so definitely them. Obviously, I love Stray Kids. Fascinated to watch what they do because their explosion over the last couple of years has been tremendous. But even outside of KCON, uh, Tomorrow By Together is one that I'm definitely keeping an eye on, TXT, because I have, I, that's, 
that's TXT is one of the acts I truly believe is going to be like superstar level at some stage um, because they're just yeah they're on their way for sure. Have you covered other conventions like this for other things before or uh, done on the immediate before? And I wanted to hear a little bit how, how covering KCON is different from other yeah, events. I've done like Comic-Con and a couple of those types of things um, and a couple of like film and TV conventions. Um, it is very different. Uh, but in the way, in some ways it's the same. Um, in the ways that it's the same, it's like, you know, people putting on outfits and, you know, dressing up and I've seen people who have custom made different, you know, jackets and skirts and whatever else. And that's a very convention thing that people love to do. So in some ways, you know, it, it's the same thing that like people coming together to celebrate what they love. But then at the same time, we're here in the United States celebrating Korean culture. And that in itself is very unique. You know, like we've got a whole bunch of people here from all walks of life. I'm from New Zealand, you know, uh, living in LA now, but um, all walks of life, everyone from all over the world, all, all over America, different cultures, different religions, coming together to celebrate the shared love of Korean culture. And that to me is absolutely fascinating. Um, it's a, uh, a wild journey, uh, but I am so grateful to have been, I guess, a part of it for you know, the last five years. And being able to see the explosion of obviously BTS in the last five years right, is, right. is wild too, because when I met them in 2017, they were big. And I thought, how could they possibly get any bigger? Right, right. And then every time I say that, they do. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, I guess, the evolution of K-pop over the next few years. I think it's going to become more mainstream. You're obviously seeing a lot of people, um, a lot of K-pop acts, you know, debuting in the States. Um, and, you know, their first singles are English, you know? It's like, that's what you're seeing now because they, you know, BTS started the whole, you know, charting on the billboard and now everyone wants a piece of that. And that's full respect to them. Um, but yeah, no, it is interesting to kind of see how the business and the music industry as well, the, U the US music industry has been changed by K-pop as well in terms of marketing. And there are so many different ways that the US has taken influence from K-pop as well. Um, so yeah, no, K-Con is just a celebration of all of that and more. Any advice that you would give to a journalist or somebody who's covering K-Con for the first time as press? Um, yeah, uh, I mean, you're obviously doing a killer job right now. Um, Thank you. Like, you're doing a killer job. And the thing is, like, my first KCON, I just interviewed BTS. I had no idea what the heck to expect. And I came here and I was like, whoa, this is crazy. I didn't know the extent of, A, how big it was, B, um, that there was just so much that K-pop fans could kind of enjoy. Um, the different products that people can buy, the different all this, you know. Um, so my advice would just be study up as much as you can, learn as much as you possibly can about it. Um, you're obviously doing a great job. Um, and also, like, uh, no matter how big or small, keep creating. Um, you know, for the first four years of my career, uh, I had two listeners on my little radio show that I was doing. And I just kept going because I loved it. Um, and just got better as a presenter and as a journalist and as a host. And I, uh, yeah, that's what I would say is just keep, put yourself out there in every way you possibly can. And every platform, you can't just be doing one thing. Let's say, you know, I'm an interviewer, but I'm also on TikTok and I'm on Twitter and Instagram. These days you do have to be across everywhere um, because that's what people expect. Um, and the more places that people can find your content, the better. Um, and there's ways to do things. Like for example, right now we're recording audio. You could upload this onto TikTok with some graphics and some imagery. Like there are so many ways to be creative with all the different things that are available these days. Um, just take advantage of it and um, 
go for it, is what I would say. Okay. Well, one quick follow-up question, because yeah. you mentioned TikTok. Um, with, with the emergence of other media platforms, as far as that have come up over the years, especially with TikTok and, and everything else, um, how, how has your coverage of event changed over time because of the, the emergence of these new platforms? Especially even now we have like the metaverse coming into totally, the totally. picture. It, I mean, it's gotten crazy, obviously, over, even over the pandemic with all these things that they're announcing. I mean, TikTok only really just blew up during the pandemic. Like, right. You didn't know what that was four years ago, you know, and now it's like the biggest social media app. So my advice would be, um, you know, post as much as you can. Um, I should listen to that own advice. I barely post, but um, everything can be content, you know, um, and I'm thinking about it in the ways of like, you know, even if I'm in an interview, I will do something because I know this is the clip for TikTok. This is what's going to do well on TikTok. You know what I mean? Um, so just always having in the back of my mind that whatever I'm doing, it's going to be on numerous different platforms and I've got to create content that works across platforms, you know? Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of how I think about it. Like if I'm doing an interview, I'll be like, oh, let me do a shot where I wave to the camera and then all the, the idols will also wave to the camera and then I'm like, great, there's my gift for Twitter. Do you know what I mean? Right, like right. just always thinking about ways that I can put the content out across everywhere because that's how people will see it. Thank you so much. Do you have a, a, any socials or anything that you want to promote for our listeners? Um, yeah, you can find me on, on anywhere. I'm on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Just search up Liam McEwan. Or if you want to watch my interviews, um, just go on, on YouTube and type in Liam McEwan interviews and you'll, you'll probably find them there. Um, but thank you. This has been great. I can't wait to listen to your podcast. And congr thank, thank congr you congrats so much. on being at KCON. Like, that's huge. Like, you, should right. be, you should be proud of this. This is massive. You know? you. Enjoy yourself. Hi, Michaela. How are you? I, 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 I could be better, but... I know. It's okay. Living my best life. I'm glad. That's what we all want in this convention. That's all what we want at KCON. So, first question. Yes. I know our listeners probably know who you are. I think so. <laughs> uh, can you introduce yourself? And yeah. What you're doing at KCON today and this, this whole weekend? Sure. Uh, hey, guys. Uh, it's Lai and Lai Francis. Uh, you you probably have heard me at K-Popcast in the past. We're at KCON, and what am I doing this year? I'm holding some panels Uh I did a Q&A with Kevin Wu on Friday and did some KCON Square work where we did a K-pop master quiz. And then yesterday did a Toyota booth with Kevin Wu and today did the Alphabet Mafia panel, which is known as the LGBTQIA Fans for K-Pop panel. And right now, I am doing the KCON stage emceeing and introductions for any performances and events. It's pretty. It's been a pretty busy one, to say the least. Yeah. And, you, and this isn't your first time doing it. No, this is not my first time doing KCON. This is... I've been doing KCON since 2016, so that's like seven... No, six years. This is my sixth year doing it, um, and this is my third year doing L.A. It's my third year doing LA, but my sixth year doing KCON overall. I would, yeah, because obviously I'm based out in the East Coast, so yeah. When it comes to uh, like your writing, I know you do freelance. Yes. So how has your coverage of KCON changed over time, especially like with with emerging platforms and like your engagement with fans? Yeah. Like how 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 has that changed from from twenty from from uh, when you first started? Yeah. So in the beginning i used to just do rappers and reviews of the event just doing like highlights and everything else but the beginning of the year i actually did 
a 10-year anniversary piece that celebrates, you know, just how KCON has evolved over the past decade and how much it became a, a vital point for all Hallyu things, pretty much. You you get a taste of movies, entertainment, music, food, everything that has to deal with Korean culture. Um, and now, because you mentioned emerging platforms, I went from just write, not only writing it, but just being in the know with the artists and getting to talk to them for social platforms like TikTok or, or you know, Instagram Reels because short form video has been so popular and, and that's what everyone loves to watch. Everyone loves something visual uh, that tells a story, whether it is something that could be serious or something that could be playful and casual. So I, I guess I could say this now. I don't know when this is going to come out, but I do have some really funny TikToks that are coming out with uh, Lightsome and TO1 where I just ask them internet trending questions or trivial questions that are just you know you would ask your friends so um it's just more of a get to know so it's just it's been crazy how open and fun artists have become in terms of just like you know not pr oriented uh, answers when it comes to like conventions like this because everyone's just so free and, and it's just it's just a fun event to be at so yeah. Uh, we talked a lot about how K-pop is, like, especially now, because it feels more like it's focused on, like, Gen Z and yes. younger fans. Yes. Would you also agree that over the years the fans have, like, gotten younger, or at least there are a lot more younger people tending as than before, where it was maybe a little bit more diverse? I think it's uh, it, it does gear towards Gen Z and how it seems to be. Like, you've seen the, the, the convention floor right now. We have Zepetto. We have AR filters on Instagram to celebrate. It's been so... Gen Z or present modern oriented to social media because it's social media is what's keeping K-pop alive uh, not just the music obviously the production and everything that's already that's already there but what markets K-pop is just word of mouth social media all of this and it definitely does but when you do consider other social media platforms like Facebook or Twitter that is an that gives off a different demographic as well, you know? Um, so it's not just Gen Z kids. Like, there's millennials like me. There's, like, I guess you could say boomers as well because, you know, boomers love uh, Facebook, I guess. And they, 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 you know, they reshare their stuff there too. I see a lot of Korean drama stuff, at least for my family. Uh, they like sharing it. So I, I think it's, yes, it's geared towards Gen Z and, and a younger audience, but it doesn't, it's very inclusive to others as well. And even you could tell that from the convention floor. They have beauty products. You have music, you have uh, food, you have merchandise. It's 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 inc inclusive and diverse to everyone who loves the Korean culture. And then going back to specific, the specific platforms, yeah, you've had, we've had Universe pop up, we've had Zepetto, uh, uh, other other forms for, for that where a lot of K-pop fans are kind of gathering. Um, in the future, what do you see being like the major platforms? Because I know. There's a lot more coming out, and they're they're really popular, especially with newer fans. Like, yeah. where do you think fans are going to start gathering in the future? That, so, I mean, right now everyone's on TikTok. Yeah. That's what I'm seeing. Everyone's on TikTok. Everyone's on IG Reels, but information is being received from TikTok and unfortunate, the unfortunate part is that there could be disinformation sometimes um, but a lot of great content comes out from TikTok whether it's like entertaining music stuff like that but after checking out like Zepetto and, and all that I feel like there is it's a game-changing platform to me because it becomes a social media platform too you create your avatars and stuff and and 
you pretty much just live kind of like a an online VTuber kind of. Uh, and and I talked to the the guys themselves, and and it's cool to see how so many brands are on that platform already collaborating. So. There's definitely a future in that, so I would probably take my bets on that type of metaverse platform because um, it'd be cool. And I think that's you know the unfortunate part is that throughout the pand- pandemic we've been living just online and virtual stuff, so uh, we haven't really got a chance to meet with people. But I take this as a, a a good thing for us to connect with other people around the world, um, just to you know create more new things and see how different ways we could connect with each other with things that we all commonly like um so yeah probably zapato i'll just say that because i you know i've been talking to the team and, and just checking out their booth so check it out too and then i think i think the last question yeah um, unless there, there's anything else that comes to mind sure is because we're, we're our, our goal is to focus on the people that cover Kiko and kind of like get their get their experience. So, do you would have any advice for people who are coming to the convention for the first time covering the event? Okay, yeah, first time coming to the event, stay hydrated. I've been doing a hydration spiel everywhere I go. I don't care who you are. If we haven't talked to each other. I don't care. You should drink water. Drink water. Coffee does not count. Energy drinks do not count. Drink water. Yeah. You will lose track of time as much as you're going to have fun. So drink water um am i wrong i feel like there are more water stations in yes there are more water stations and there are more hand sanitizing stations which is great right. to have and it's very important to have that here um but yes stay hydrated um and i think always have your phone in hand because you never know what's going to happen um there are like kcon is the, the the place where any artist can pop up anytime any place on the floor and you could just get grab your coverage and you know everyone everyone is pretty much friendly on the most part here you know despite you know the news that came out yesterday that we probably have heard of uh but um ev- everything else is the coverage is have your phone ready to record and grab content because there's a lot of things happening and it's great stuff too Okay, that wraps up this episode of the K-Pop Cast. We had a lot of other great interviews that we had to cut because this episode would be way too long. Um, so be sure to subscribe to the K-Pop Cast on whatever platform you use so you can be immediately updated when part two drops. In the meantime, you can follow me at Michaela J K-Pop on Twitter and you can follow the whole K-Pop Cast team at the K-Pop Cast on Twitter. All right. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.